0: Well, welcome. So Isla Joan Oshbacher, many of you have met her, um, was born on November 1st, 2018. Um, It was one of its top three happiest days in my life, Um, but it was also a day that marked the beginning of um, my spiral into the dark, scary, lonely, isolated place that is postpartum anxiety and OCD. Here was a perfectly healthy, beautiful baby girl who I looked at and felt no emotional connection to. I knew I would do everything I could to protect her, to help her thrive, to make sure she stayed alive and had a happy life, Um, but I didn't understand how I would ever feel in love with her and the way I can best describe it is like I was kind of waiting for her mom to come get her um, eventually. That was sort of like, I'm taking care of you, I'm nurturing you, but I'm just kind of in this waiting period until your your mom shows up. And this is in stark contrast to my experience with my first, um, many of you know her, Lydia. We had a really um, intense bond from the beginning, and so I'm looking at my second child, and everyone's like, your heart doubles and it's just the most amazing thing. And I was like, hi, my heart's not doubling. Like what's going on? Um, So I wasn't bonding with her and to make matters a, I wrote a million, but I want to say a bajillion times worse. I was having very upsetting, unwelcome and intrusive thoughts, Um, very dark, very disturbing. And um, I kept my secret to myself and I didn't want anyone to know I was okay. I wasn't okay. I lived in a dark prison of fear, hopelessness, and um, just isolation for four lonely months. And after researching um, my symptoms as if it was my job, um, I finally realized that what I was going through was not unordinary. Um, A lot of women um, face postpartum anxiety, depression, um, OCD, Um, It's way more common than I ever imagined, and so I finally sat Jake down, and I confessed what I was going through, and I told him I needed help. Um, I spent the next few weeks at a lot of appointments with my OB, with a specialist who was a therapist, and with a psychiatrist until we found the right regimen to get me on to begin a path towards healing. Um, Besides Jake, my parents, and one of my best friends who doesn't even live in the city, I, um, oh, and my three care providers, um, no one else in the world knew that I was going through this, and I was pretty okay with that. Um, I had done the brave thing of reaching out and offering um, my vulnerability to ask for help, from medical providers and my husband and my parents, because logistically I needed some help from my mom. But other than that, I was not interested in inviting anyone else into this part of our story. So now I wasn't alone in my dark prison cell. I had invited Jake in and I had slammed the door shut and swallowed the key. And um, I was pretty determined for us to just be here um, in this place and not have anyone else join us, and not get out either. (laughs) Um, But Jake, in his wisdom and in his gentleness, encouraged me gently but firmly to invite our community in. And I was really not interested and pretty upset, and he took a lot of the brunt of my anger about all this. But slowly um, and with a lot of patience on his part, he allowed me to select people in our lives that I felt comfortable and safe sharing this ugliness with. And, um, and so began a journey of full healing and wholeness. So I had kind of done the medical thing and kind of gotten my footing, and, um, but I wasn't, I wasn't there. We weren't yet on the journey to healing because I wasn't ready to be vulnerable with my people. So throughout those secretive four months, I felt so much shame for something that was outside of my control. Not only was I struggling with a mental health issue, but I was listening to the lie that I would be rejected and unloved if I shared this with anyone. And so I isolated myself, even though I felt like I was slowly dying inside. And that seemed right to me. Please pray with me. Lord, I pray that you will open our ears to what you have for us today and soften our hearts to the truth that we may receive from your scripture. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So like in my story I shared with you all, the focus of this message is around vulnerability in Christ-centered community. The key verse we'll be unpacking today is Proverbs 14, verse 12. So if you can turn with me with your Bible or if you have an app on your phone, um, if you don't have a Bible or want to read the pages from a Bible, then um, you can grab one of the black ones near you. That's on page 537. So Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. So we're going to be digging into two words from this passage. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in its end, its end is the way to death. So in the original Hebrew, the word way is derek. And don't worry, I looked up the pronunciations of these. Um, and it means a course of life or a mode of action. Maveth is uh, the word that is used for death, and um, that interpretation is ruin. So, in the context, the author is communicating that there's a course of life or a mode of action that seems right to a man, but its end is ruin. Last week, Jason spoke to us about Proverbs 7, about um, a man um, being lured into sin and the shame and the destruction that comes with that. Interestingly, verse 27 of Proverbs 7 um, references these exact same two words. So listen, you don't have to turn there to Proverbs 7, 27, as we see how they're used by the author in a different way. Her house, so her is synonymous with sin, her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. So her house is the derech of Sheol, going down to the chambers of Mabeth. So Jason talked about a pastor who had, um, he had caught in some sin and um, he went and found counsel, and no one was interested in getting nitty-gritty with his pastor, and the pastor was not interested in bringing his community around to help him in this sin. And um, it eventually, the light was shown on this sin, and it was exposed, and it ruined him. It was the Maveth that he probably knew was coming um, but was trying to avoid at all costs. And... I was thinking about that, and I wonder if he had been vulnerable with his community, if he had confessed, I believe that the Lord would have used that truth and that confession and that vulnerability to actually have his struggle with that sin be a testimony of God's goodness and his mercy in his life, that he could share with others and bring others to healing and others to truth and others um, give, give hope to others. But because he chose a way that seemed right to him, which was isolation from his community and isolation from truth-telling, um, it ruined him and it ruined his family. And the same with me. So I felt like the way that was right to me was keeping my dirty little secret in the dark because it was too messy for anyone else to have to deal with. And I was freaked out about the, the consequences of, of sharing that. Um, and doing that would have ruined me. It would have ruined me. Um, statistics show that postpartum depression and anxiety and OCD, if not treated, Um, can lead to chronic, lifelong depression that is um, really, really, really hard to to get out of. Um, That would have been ruin for me. So how do we know the right way? How do we know the right derek to walk? Um, There are several ways that we can recognize the right way. Scripture, spirit, and community are some of those ways. Um, In Hebrews 4, 12... It says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The scripture in the Bible is alive and it's active, and if you've ever read a passage that you think, wow, this really speaks to me, and then you come to it three years later, and it's telling you something even greater, um, or it's applying to a different part of your life, that is it being alive and active. It's not static. Um, And so the scripture that we read, um, knowing scripture, memorizing scripture, being in the word daily, that helps us discern the right way because the Lord is giving us kind of the roadmap. It's the roadmap to the way um, in which is the truth and in which is the light. The second one is spirit. So in Isaiah 30, 21, this is one of my other favorite verses, it says, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. And so if you've ever heard that little prompting, it's kind of, I feel like, um, biologically, or not even biologically, but it's kind of our conscious, our, our conscience, um, for believers, um, we have a still small voice in our mind that kind of pokes at us or nudges us in a direction. And um, the spirit can also talk to us through um, people in our lives sharing words with us. Sometimes if you've ever been in a situation where you hear a couple of different people that aren't even connected kind of telling you the same thing or seeing something in you, that's chances are the spirit is speaking through them to you. Um, and if you're not sure if that's, God's spirit, or um, if it's a lie that you're hearing, um, the Lord does say, test the spirits. Um, and the way you can test that is going back to scripture and seeing if it is in um, direct um, agreement with the scriptures. The third way that we can discern the right way is through community. And that's kind of what we're talking about today. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up." I fell, and I had one person who began to lift me up, and then other people who began to lift me up, and then a whole slew of people who lifted me up, and I couldn't get up on my own. but how do we lift people up? Um, how do we lift the other up? In James 5:16, it says, "Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed." The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. It says to confess our sins, um, and you know in my context, my sin was lying. I was lying to everybody about what I was going through because I was not being honest with anyone. Um, But even confess the things you're struggling with. Maybe it's not a sin, but you're just really feeling lonely or feeling tired or life is just really hard right now. Confess that to somebody um, and pray for one another. And um, I'll get that into a minute. Um, a tangible example of how community loved and helped me and helped us was, they're not here today, but um, Amanda and Eric, and there are many people um, who I shared this with and who walked on this journey with us, and I just want to say thank you. Um, one tangible example is um, Amanda and Eric and Luca, they usually have a little, um Sunday morning ritual they do with their family, they go get coffee and they kind of spend some time together and it's just peaceful for them. And when we shared that it wasn't in anyone's best interest and especially not mine for um, me to kind of have to be alone with the girls during this the first few weeks of trying to figure all this out, um, on Sunday mornings, Jake would come to church at about 8 a.m., and generally, I'd kind of be home, hang out with the girls, show up around 10, 10:30, and we'd do church. But during this season of trying to kind of grasp a hold of some of those first um, holds of healing, I we didn't want to be, I didn't want to be alone with the girls, and that was in everyone's best interest. And Amanda and Eric just really generously and graciously um, offered to hang out with me and the girls, so we would go to the Pearl, we would go get coffee and Lydia's favorite Pop-Tarts from local, and we just kinda hang out, and then we'd walk to church, and it was, I'm a two, and if you know the Enneagram, I do not like to ask for help, I love helping, but I am worried that if I need help that I'm gonna be too much, and um, as, as a two, uh, receiving that help was really hard and embarrassing, and I felt shame, but they, willingly and joyfully did that for us. And it helped Jake be able to come to work and prepare for you all. And it helped me to just have some community around in an otherwise really lonely part of my day. That's just a really tangible example of community walking through messiness. And um, I really pray and hope that all of you can think right now of somebody or some people that you think, wow, I, I have somebody that would do something like that for me. Um, because as believers, we should be doing that for others and we should have those people in our lives. Um, the Lord brings those people together for us. Um, and so I just, I really hope that for you all. Be vulnerable. If I hadn't been vulnerable, uh, I don't know. We'd probably not, I probably would not be standing up here today speaking about this because I would probably be really struggling with this still. Um, So all of this points us to the truth that through vulnerability, we're able to walk with people in true friendship that's Christ-centered, which leads us to be pointed not in the way of man, in this case it was isolation and secretness, but in the way of God, which in direct opposition of the key verse from today and what I, I was doing, um, that leads us to the way of life and of wholeness. So how do we do this? Where do we start? Um, many of you probably are trucking along in the community thing and the vulnerability thing, and I applaud you, And um, but a lot of us, me included, and some of you may not have experienced much of this. So how do we begin to, um, to walk in that, in that pattern of, of health? First, I really encourage you to think about the things you're scared to let people in on. What are those things that you're just like, nah, no one needs to know about that? Whether it's a sin that you're keeping hidden or whether it's a struggle that you're like, yeah, I have anxiety. And I really don't want to let people know because it's just easier if I kind of keep it wrapped up in what looks like a pretty little wrapped package and no one has to deal with it. Maybe my spouse or my best friend or you know, somebody in my life knows about it, but I'm not really going to be interested in letting people into that messiness because it's just easier to keep it contained. And it sort of is easier, but it's not beneficial or fruitful to do that. Um, So first of all, think about those things and then begin offering those to Jesus. Ask him to begin a journey of healing and wholeness from those things and ask him for bravery. Took a lot of guts, a lot of guts for me to be able to tell people who are my best friends that I was really struggling with something that was pretty nasty and um, I was pretty freaked out from. Um, It takes a lot of courage, and so Jesus wants to give you that courage, so ask him. Um, The second thing that I want to encourage you to do is to think of two people in your life who you can reach out to and live vulnerably with. Um, that verse that I mentioned a few minutes ago um, about a cord of, of three strands not being easily broken, um, that's what this is. So um, being able to have some people in your life, two, two other people for now, um, if you don't have anybody who can just be walking alongside you, and... Um, chances are if you take the first step in reaching out to them and being vulnerable, they are going to be so thankful that they have somebody that they can be vulnerable with. We all have little deep, dark secrets or messiness in our lives. And for somebody to come to me and say, Sydney, this is something I'm struggling with. I need prayer. Please walk with me through this. Um, That makes me feel like I can, you know, this is a safe person. I can, I can share my things with them. And so if you take that first step, um, the likelihood of somebody rejecting that is pretty slim, especially if they are walking with the Lord. And so I encourage you to do that because that is going to not only bring freedom to you, it's, I'm just gonna say it's almost guaranteed to bring freedom to them. So find those people, and I encourage you to reach out to them this week, and just go to coffee, or have lunch, or text, or talk on the phone, or Skype. Um, Nobody Skypes. Uh, FaceTime, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody Skypes, except for people, anyway. Uh, (laughs) So reach out to them, and just start the journey. Just take the first step. Uh, the third thing is that if you aren't plugged into community, seek it out, and it's a little bit of number two, but um, seek it out and ask others how to do it. So if you aren't plugged into community, find find somebody that looks a little older than you who is who you know follows Jesus, and just ask them, how do they do it? Chances are the people who are um, have a few years on us have walked a few miles ahead of us. Um, Ask your peers, how do y'all live in community? Um, And begin seeking that out. If you don't have community, if you're like, I don't really have a group of people that I know that I can just meet with or text a bunch of people, um, and it doesn't have to be a bunch, quality over quantity. That's what I always say. a lot of people in this room are walking in community with a lot of other people in this room. Uh, the Gathering has these gospel communities, and we're, we're a part of one, and I know a lot of you all are a part of a gospel community, where um, it's Christ-centered community, and the focus is knowing Jesus more and helping others, helping each other know Jesus more, and living on mission together. So... Um, Talk to Jake, talk to somebody who looks like they work here or volunteer here, um, and ask how you can get plugged into a gospel community here if you're interested. So, um, with great excitement and joy, I can stand up in front of you and thankfully say that because I chose a different way that seemed right to me, I am, I might cry, I'm head over heels in love with my baby Isla, to go from looking at her and loving her in my mind and, sorry, but saying, how will I ever feel in love with you, Um, to slowly but surely just being pretty obsessed with her um, and feeling like she's just my baby girl and I just can't get enough of her That is a victory from Jesus. Can I get an amen? And, um, you know, I'm still on a healing journey, but I no longer struggle daily with this darkness and evilness that Satan was trying to keep me bogged in. Um, With the help of my amazing husband, who is just wonderful, and my community, I didn't stick with the path that seemed right for me. I chose a different path and I was helped to choose that different path. It wasn't just me being strong, it was a lot of people saying, get your butt off this path and get on this path. So it takes takes community sometimes to get yourself on a different path. Um, I was able to walk vulnerably with people and allowed them to walk with me through a tough season. Um, so, I pray that you do the hard thing and that you're vulnerable because God is going to honor this. Pray with me, please. Lord, thank you for your truth that when we choose a path that is leading toward you and toward renewal, and toward wholeness, that you honor that um, and that you heal us, that when we choose a way that doesn't seem right to us, that isn't comfortable, um, that way is not death. It's not ruin, but it is freedom and it is life to the fullest. I pray that each one of these amazing people sitting here today and everyone listening can take a step toward healing and wholeness with people that they feel safe with. Um, I pray that you will bring those people into our lives if we don't have them, and I pray that we will um, recognize the right way to walk. Lord, thank you for the way you heal us, because you promise that you will, it's not easy. But um, we're you're such a good God, and I just praise you in your Son's holy and precious name, Amen.